status on the class. Pastor Aldo's, you guys are done with it? Holla back. Well, we're having a good time in that class. We are um, we're learning a lot. From what I can see, some great participation from the youth. The, um, the, the scripture memory last week was really awesome. They remembered all four verses, so I was really happy. Uh, I'm grateful that God has given you guys a heart to want to pursue him more and grow in Christ and learn more. As I said, we were preaching, speaking, teaching, learning from the book of James. We learned, uh, we talked about chapter 1 and chapter 2 in previous weeks. Today we are going to talk from chapter uh, 3, verses 1 through 12. And just a little bit of a recap. The, the book of James is written by James. Um, the audience is the followers of Jesus which is, um, it was originally written to the early Jewish Christians that were scattered abroad because of the persecution. It was written about 49 A.D. And the central theme is our faith determines our actions and our attitudes, which is a huge statement in itself. Your faith determines your actions and your attitudes. So if you got somebody that is a prostitute, they have faith in their body. That's what they're doing. They're just, you know... That's, that's their source of living. That's how they um, survive. That's, that's what they're all about. Um, your faith will determine your actions and your attitudes. Um, if you have faith in God and you got faith in Jesus and you got faith in the word of God being infallible, then you should be considered what the Bible calls a good tree because a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. And if you love Jesus, then everything else will fall in place there. You'll be able to walk according to his ways. You will be able to love your neighbors. You love yourself. You will love God with all your mind, heart, and soul. You will not be selfish, but you will be selfless. You will know the fruits of the Spirit, and you will walk in them. Because why? Because that's what Jesus wants you to do. Okay? So, your faith determines your actions and your attitudes. From the book of James, chapter 3, verse 1, my brethren... Let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. What does this mean? Well, first of all, my brethren, you know he's talking to who? The Christians, right? It was written to the early Jewish Christians that were scattered abroad. So he's talking to the Christians. He's saying, let not many of you become teachers because you'll have a stricter judgment. Okay? Is this an encouragement for you not to be a teacher? Is it an encouragement for you not to be a teacher? It almost sounds like it, but it's not, okay? Because that would be contradicting Scripture. Because the Bible says, Go ye therefore um, unto all nations, teach them the commandments that I have taught you, baptize them in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we have to be teachers to a degree. Now, we don't all have to be pastors. We don't all have to be bishops. We don't all have to be evangelists. But we do need to know what the Word of God says so that at any given moment, as it says in um, Timothy, to study to show yourself approved, a worker, rightly dividing the Word of truth, not being ashamed, so that you can give an answer whenever it's called on you to give an answer. You see, if somebody says, man, I don't know Jesus, you keep talking about this Jesus, you keep saying you believe and you love this Jesus, well, if Jesus is the only way to the Father to receive eternal life, Tell me, tell me what I got to do. What am I doing wrong? Because I've acknowledged Christ six years ago. Well, what am I doing wrong? 
because I don't feel like I'm saved. Are you going to be able to give them an answer? You're going to be able to talk to them? You're going to be able to use scripture to communicate with them? Okay, so you have to be able to teach to a degree. Okay, so it's not an encouragement for you not to be a teacher. All right, we got to understand that. But what it is, is it's James saying, look, and what I'm, I'm presuming that maybe a lot of those prideful people back then, you know, Jesus had come, Jesus had rose, Jesus had ascended to heaven, left them the power of the Holy Spirit. They're all waiting for his return. They're freaking out. Some of them ain't even working. Paul said, a man don't work, but don't, you know, he don't eat. Because that's what they were doing. Like, oh, the Lord is coming. The Lord is coming. So they want to work. All they want to do is talk about Jesus. Well, I'm presuming that everyone wanted to be a teacher then. So Paul was kind of, I mean, James is kind of like, look, let us not all be teachers. There's going to be a stricter judgment, okay? Don't think you got it all together. You can just go up there saying anything, all right? You need to understand what you're communicating. So I think that's what he was trying to communicate there. And verse 2, it says, for we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Verse 3, indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. In verse 4, look also at ships. Although they are so large and driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. In verse 5, even so the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. So verse 2, we stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in word, he's a perfect man, able to also bridle the whole body. Stumble in many ways, you can just count the ways that you stumble and you will see the truth and the validity behind the statement. Uh, there's a lot of things and a lot, there's a lot of things to stumble upon. There's a lot of immorality. There's a lot of uh, foolishness. There's a lot of deceit. All these things are stumbling blocks. For some people, it's women. For some people, it's men. For some people, it's a foul mouth. For some people, it's I can't seem to honor my mother and father. You know, for some people, they don't never want to read the Bible. You know, they're stumbling. This is their walk with Christ, and they're just stumbling along like a drunk person, all right? So we all stumble in many ways, but if you don't stumble in word, that word, word, it, it has to do with something that's spoken or thought. Because let's think about it. If someone doesn't have a tongue, which is the tool that you utilize to allow you to be able to speak, they can't speak clearly, but they got silent. They're speaking in their head. You see what I'm saying? Their mind is producing the thought before it leaves their mouth. So the word, word, in verse 2, that says, for we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, it also has to do with a thought process. It doesn't just have to do with spoken word. He is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body. Does this mean you're perfect? If I don't ever stumble in my words, first of all, everyone stumbles in word. Okay? It should be a desire. It should be a goal for us not to, because I don't know anyone who's never thought anything they shouldn't think. Okay? Because the word stumble means offend. It means to uh, sin, uh, fail, stumble. So I don't know anyone who's never done that, but does it mean you're a perfect man if you're able to achieve that? No, it's just talking about the degree. It means that you have your body in line. If you're able to tame your tongue, if you're able to keep it in check, if you're able to hold back your words and you're able to allow your thoughts to be in line with Christ, what you're doing is you're aligning yourself with the Word of God, and the Bible is commending you on that. James is commending you on that. In verse 3, indeed, we put bits in horses' mouth that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. It's talking about, James is trying to tell us how powerful that tongue is, how great of a, of a tool this tongue is. You see, because when you put a bit in a horse's mouth, 
the horse in the book of Job is described as, as, as fierce, as brave, as courageous, you know, always ready for battle. When you take this horse and you put that bit in his mouth, and all of a sudden, you know, you see a waterfall coming up. You pull back, that horse is going to stop. You know, you see a tree coming, you pull like this, the horse is going to turn right, just like a steering wheel. You control that whole, that big old horse, you control it with that bit, that little bitty bit that fits, it's like a muzzle over the mouth. So that's the horse, and then he talks about a ship. The ship, ships are big. They got a rudder on the bottom. You turn, you turn, you turn the little wheel or, or what, what, what have you, that rudder turns, that ship's turning too. West, east, north, it's going to turn whatever direction you wanted to go by that little bitty old pilot just from the rudder that's underneath. That's, that's, that's that mechanism that's helping us turn. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. So how great a forest a little fire kindles. Verse 6, and the tongue is a fiery world of iniquity. The tongue is also set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. First, let's talk about this little forest fire. How do fires start? They need a heat source, right? Like a spark, something. Because the sun usually doesn't set forests on fire, so that's the heat source. But you also need like a spark. Highways, as firemen, people just cruising along. These heathens, you know, acting crazy, smoking cigarettes, flicking out the window. You got this big forest. You guys ever drove by, like, down a highway and you seen, like, charcoal trees and leaves and woods? It's, like, all black. And, like, dang. And sometimes there's smoke coming up, you know. Like, it just they just put it out. Little cigarette butt started that acres gone, engulfed. See, the tongue is, is like that. A little bitty fire, a little bitty cigarette butt started this huge fire that burned 300 acres. It's, it's crazy to think about. I remember whenever I was younger, I used to blow my mind. Like, a cigarette butt can start that fire? Yes. If, that, if, that, if those leaves are dry enough, and once it starts getting, getting, uh, getting caught and it just catches everything else, it's just a chain reaction. It just goes. Think about what the tongue does. You know, if you're speaking lies or you're speaking rumors, you know, just, I mean, you guys are in high school. Think about, most of you are, think about um, a rumor that went around about somebody that wasn't even true that caused that person so much grief. You know, they're like, man, you know, none of that was ever even true, but yet they've been ridiculed, they've been talked about, they've been gossiped about, people have separated themselves from them, people have broken up with people, you know. It's just been this big, crazy chain of events because of something that came out of somebody's mouth that wasn't even true. Or think about this, an even greater, a greater example. Think about a child who doesn't understand the ramifications of what they're doing. Let's say it's a little girl that claims rape. Potentially, this individual from this claim, whoever she's claiming it upon, maybe a stepfather that she's a little mad at or something. Potentially, he could be put in jail for a long, long time. That could be on his record. He could be a, like a sex offender, a pedophile, and, and that will go off his record. His whole life will be ruined. He might lose his job just from this tongue. The words coming from. So in that, in that like a forest fire, you know, I mean, your little bitty tongue, I mean, you pull it out of your mouth, it might be like maybe this long or something. I'm not trying to gross you guys out. But it's not that big, all right? But it could do great damage. I mean, you think about somebody being incarcerated, put in jail for 15 years or 10 years, and being fired from the job, losing their wife because of a lie. 
That's, that's pretty crazy. So it's kind of like he's just letting us know, look, you see this ship? The little rudder turns it, the muzzle, on the, you know, the bit in the horse's mouth, your tongue. And verse 6 says, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The, the tongue is set among our members that it defiles the whole body and is set on fire from the course of nature. And sets on fire the course of nature and it is set on fire from hell. A world of iniquity. That is a world of sin. Does that mean you pull your tongue out and say, look, this is what sin looks like? No, that's not what it means. But what it does mean is the Bible says that out of the, out of the, out of the abundance of the heart, speak at the mouth. And we talked already from, I mean, I've went over this verse over and over again. I did it again on Sunday, and I'll do it again today. Mark chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. I love this verse because it's a great reminder to myself. Verse 21, for from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness, 23. And these evil things come from within and defile a man. So if out of the abundance of the heart speak at the mouth, and then you have all of these evil, wicked things that are right here in the heart of man. Out of the abundance of what speak at the mouth? The heart. Okay? So... Out of your heart speaketh your mouth. That is the analogy that James has given, that your tongue is a world of iniquity. That is why we have to embrace who we are in Christ. We have to understand the role we have as a new creation. Because we have to separate ourselves from ourselves. And say, look, if I am not in a line with this word, then this needs to change. When something is revealed to you that says, look, that is not according to God's standards. That is not according to what pleases God. It's your responsibility as a Christian, as a new creation, to say, God, I'm sorry. I didn't know that. Now I do. Convict me, hurt me, burden me to change. I don't want to carry on like this. I don't want to carry on being upsetting to you. I don't want to carry on being a stumbling block to somebody. Now I'm acknowledging it. Thank you for allowing me to acknowledge it. Change me. I surrender. That's your responsibility. If you already knew about it and it's reiterated to you, then shame on you. You should be convicted. And again, you should go before the Father. He is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins if you, if you confess them. And say, God, forgive me. I'm sorry. I'm not in alignment with you. That is our goal every day. That is called sanctification. We are being sanctified every day to be formed in the image of Christ. We are to be renewed in mind by the washing of the word. Our minds have to be changed. We have to stop being selfish. We have to stop caring about everything that makes us happy and pleases us and start being more concerned with about what makes God happy and what pleases him according to his word. Not according to Bishop, not according to Pastor Chad, not according to your parents, not according to your best friend, not according to your grandma who you adore, according to his word, period. So the tongue is a world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members. It's right here. It's set among our members. People look at you in the eyes when you talk most of the time. You know, it's, it's right here. It's part of the head, top of the body. Verse 7, for every kind of beast and bird or reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. Verse 8, but no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Isn't that amazing? Whales, Shamu. You know, that's, 
They just do all these tricks. Give them a little fish. They're happy. You go to the zoo. You watch the birds. They, an owl, an eagle, a falcon, all these different birds, all these different animals are tame. You got lions sitting up there like kittens or something. Tigers trained, tamed by mankind. I always thought that was amazing. An elephant. Man, have you been to the zoo and you see this big elephant? They say, stand on two legs, and they go like this, or, or they do the right leg, and they're, they're like this. They, they stand on two legs, and then they sit down, and they do stuff with their trunk. I am always amazed by that. I'm like, wow, this animal is just listening to this person just to get some food, a little treat, you know? It's, it's really interesting to me, and James, to make it even more interesting, to blow your mind a little bit more, he says, no one can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil. It is an unrestraining evil. It is like this world of iniquity that is just trying to burst out of you. Matter of fact, if you remember in chapter 1, verse 19, he says, so then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Swift to hear, listen, pay attention to what they're saying. Understand what they're saying, acknowledge what they're saying, love that person, love your neighbors, you love yourself, care about what's going on in their life, be swift to hear, slow to speak. Okay, no one cares what you think. What does the Bible say? Okay, I'm slow to speak. If I don't have the word of God on my tongue right now, I need to relax, not get emotional, not get all worked up, not get so passionate about the topic. Refer back to the word of God, then communicate to you properly. Slow to wrath. It might be something that upsets you. Guess what's going to happen? That tongue's going to go off. A million miles per hour, you done told them off. Said everything that you shouldn't say. Damaged them. You see? Full of deadly poison. What's full of deadly poison? Poison ivy, venomous snakes, some spiders, scorpions. You see, so this is what your tongue is being equated to. What does poison do? What does deadly poison do? Duh, deadly poison. It kills you. It kills you. Just getting rid of that deadly poison. Just, just cover your mouth. No, I'm just kidding. I know you did. An unruly evil full of deadly poison. Guys, understanding that we have this power in us should motivate us the more to be swift to hear and slow to speak. Do you want for your tongue to lash out on somebody and burden them and hurt them and crush them? That they walk around. There's been stories that I heard of, and I don't know the legitimacy of them. I don't know how accurate they are. I think it was an email or something. But the boy walking home, you know, you guys have probably heard it. And he's walking home. He's carrying his books. And then, you know, people on the bus are making fun of him. They're yelling and stuff. He's walking home. And somebody just stops. They get off the bus. And they say, hey, you know, I just wanted to come walk with you, walk home with you, you know. And they never do that. They always walk home by themselves. But now this time they just want to walk home with him. I want to, you know, what's your name? I want to be your friend today, you know. Says some kind words. And the boy's like, man, I was going to go home and kill myself today. You know, because you don't know what they're carrying. 
You don't know what's inside of them. But why were they going to kill themselves? There's been recently on CNN, 11-year-olds hanging themselves. Christians, don't be silent. Children of God, don't be silent because you know what? The people who are of the world, they're, not, they're taking this unruly evil here, this unruly, unrestraining evil. They're taking it and they're just lashing out without caring about the individual, without understanding the ramifications of what they're saying and what it's doing. How they're damaging someone to the point of suicide. But yet when us Christians who understand how the power behind the tongue stays silent, we're not reinforcing the love and the edification and the encouragement. We're not, we're not providing that for all these weighted down young people who are being picked on and made fun of because maybe they're not the coolest looking or the best dressing. You see what I'm saying? We have a job to do. You ever heard that song? If we are the body, why aren't his arms reaching? You know, why not? We cannot remain idle. We have a responsibility. Bobby, you got something you want to say? Yeah, so the boy, the boy, he's walking home, and then this person starts acknowledging him and saying, hey, you know, I'm carrying your books for you. I want to be your friend. And the boy's like, man, you know, I really, I'm really happy that, you know, you, you came and, and you... And you befriended me, you know, you just said hello to me, you acknowledged me, you know. I was, honestly, I was going to go home and kill myself. So he, he communicates that with this person. I, I don't know, like I said, it was like an email or something, maybe a high schooler just say. But regardless of the validity of that in particular story that I read, there is true stories that I read recently from CNN and seeing the mothers speak on of their 11-year-olds hanging themselves. And, um, you know, shame, I don't want to say shame on the parents. I'm reluctant to say that. But I will say shame on the Christians. Because I don't know. It's a chain, of, it's a chain reaction. The parents have to be engulfed in the word and they have to be teaching their children to the word so that an 11 year old will have the capacity to teach the word or be words of encouragement to somebody. If 16-year-olds ain't doing it because there's too immature in Christ, you think 11-year-olds are going to do it? Shame on the parents for not encouraging them to do that. They have to make sure their children are prepared. It's my job to make sure Isaiah's prepared that wherever he's at, he can be words of encouragement. He can say, wow, good job. Matter of fact, he had friends over that were swimming the other day. And they were at the apartment, they were swimming, and, and Isaiah's like, wow, you did a really good job swimming. You know, just words of encouragement. You know? So it's our job as parents to teach them, but now you as young people, because I consider all of you young adults, you guys can make great decisions. Maybe besides Anthony, he's still a child, but you guys are young adults. Stop looking at yourselves like you're just these little adolescent kids that ain't got no responsibility or you ain't got no type of power behind your words or power behind the, 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 the title you carry as a Christian. You guys got power, man. You guys are able to encourage someone and help them with the tongue that you have. Or you have the power to break someone and make yourself a deadly, make that tongue a deadly poison, as James calls it to be, by not aligning it with the word of God and picking on people and not being loving and treating them as if though you're better than them when you ain't. You guys have power. You guys have ability. The Holy Spirit dwells inside of you the same way he dwells inside of your parents. As a matter of fact, you guys can be that fire that ignites your parents. The fire that ignites your aunts and uncles. I commend you all for being here this evening. 
Verse 9, with it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. You know what comes to my mind with this one? 1 John 4.20. It's like one of William's favorite verses. Anyone who says that he loves me and hates his brother is a liar. How can you love me who you don't see but hate your brother who stands right in front of you? That's what the Bible says. Don't have hatred towards no one. Yeah, hatred towards someone you say you love God. You need to check yourself. How does that tie in? Verse 9. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Similitude of God means what? Similarities. God made you in the image and likeness of himself. Okay? We are the supreme being. That's why evolution is religion, false religion. If God made man in the similitude of himself, in the image and likeness of himself, how the heck do we come from monkeys? Because he didn't make monkeys in the similitude of himself. Okay? Just with that said. How can you use your mouth to curse man and bless God? When man was made in the image of God. The Bible says we don't battle against flesh and blood. It's against powers and principalities and, and wicked forces in heavenly places. Go ahead. You shouldn't allow filth to come from your mouth. The same, the, same, the same mouth that we have that blesses God should not, you know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't have filth coming from your mouth. Now, you shouldn't praise Satan, that's for sure. You should maybe uh, pick on him, call him a punk. You know, hey, you think you got power over me? You ain't got no power over me, man. You guys want to know the only power that Satan has over you? The power that you give him. He's got no power. The Bible says not to be a slave to nothing. We're no longer slaves to sin. We're no longer slaves to unrighteousness, but we're slaves to God. We're slaves to righteousness. God has given us the power of the Holy Spirit who's to conquer Satan. Satan is just a punk getting ready to be beat down in the end. But out of the same mouth, man, you guys, James says this should not be. Out of the same mouth proceeds blessings and cursings. My brother, these things ought not to be so in verse 10. Encourage, edify, build up. Know the power that is behind your words. Um, Nicole C. Mullen. I was watching a, a show on, I guess, like a, a biography of Nicole C. Mullen. And she was talking about how there was a woman. I guess she was very sheltered when she was younger. Um, not in a bad way. Her parents were just very cautious about what she was exposed to, kind of like the way I am with Isaiah. And she wasn't. I guess she wasn't the most attractive young person. I'm just trying to go off remembrance of what she was describing. But there was a lady, a friend of a friend of the family that lived close by, that she would go to the house, and you know, a lot of the girls around the neighborhood would go, and you know, it'd be like a place to go and just hang out and and fellowship. Well, this woman would always encourage her on her singing and stuff, and say, you know, you're doing a great job, you know. Um, Keep pursuing your dream. 
you know, they, she would just constantly be encouraging her. And she said, you know, the way that I looked at this woman, she does not understand, or she didn't understand at the time, that she had the power to make that little girl crawl in a hole and never sing again. Because I, the way that I looked at her, because she was such an, to me, it was like I wanted to be like her. This is Nicole C. Mullen talking. Because she admired her singing ability, and she admired how, how happy she was, and she wanted to be like this, this woman, you know. And this woman is encouraging her and telling her to keep pursuing her dream, keep singing. You know, she's doing a great job. Instead of saying, ooh, you didn't hit that note right. You might want to back up a couple of steps. You might want to consider not singing ever again. You know, instead of really putting her in her place or something like that, she encouraged her, keep working on it. So instead of making this little girl who's vulnerable crawl in a hole and never sing again and bless many because her music does bless my life. My Redeemer lives. and I mean, she just has some really good songwriting abilities, and she has a great vocal as well. But her words could have made her just never sing again, but instead they pushed her to want to do more, to want to sing more, and to want to be better. Verse 11, does a, spring, does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Verse 12, can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives, or a grapefruit, a grapevine bear figs? Thus, no spring yields both salt and water. What is this talking about? We're talking about the tongue. We're talking about the words that leave your mouth. We're talking about how powerful the tongue is, how that cigarette butt can start a forest fire, how your tongue is a world of iniquity and can destroy somebody. On the flip side, if you don't have bitter water coming out of that mouth, if you're taking all of this world of iniquity that's inside of your heart and you're aligning yourself with the word of God as a new creation you are in Christ and you're allowing the word of God to flow out of your heart, your word I've hidden in my heart so that I wouldn't sin against you, you allow the word of God to flow out of your heart, then that fresh water can come out of your mouth and your tongue can be something that encourages and builds up and pushes people to be more than conquerors, pushes them to be victorious, pushes them to be stronger, better. That's love. And if you're not doing that, not only are you allowing your tongue to be a world of iniquity and you're allowing it to start big fires, you're not obeying Jesus because he said, love your brethren as you love yourself. And any words that are not encouraging and edifying or not communicated with love, that's not love. So with that said, that is the end of the message. Don't trip over the speaker, Pastor. And... um. If anyone would like to communicate with me after service, you want to just talk, you want to say, look, you know, I'm a heathen, you know, I haven't surrendered my life to Christ. I just, um, I need to, um, I need to surrender, you know. Can you got any advice? You got, you got some prayer for me? You, you, you need to, you know, lay some hands on me? You know, whatever. If you want to talk to me, please approach me. I am always approachable, and I love you guys. We can close in prayer.